It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This spring, follow your favorite baseball teams to Arizona for Cactus League spring training. Amazing weather and landscapes, exciting outdoor adventure, incredible food. Arizona is the perfect home base for baseball fans. 10 stadiums, 15 MLB teams, 75 degree temperatures. All 10 stadiums are in Greater Phoenix within 50 miles. Check out amazing restaurants and bars nearby. Enjoy live music from local and national artists. Hit the road and explore Arizona's urban centers, ghost towns, artsy communities, and quirky outposts. Check off must-see destinations from your bucket list like the Grand Canyon, Monument Valley, Horseshoe Bend, and Tucson. Bringing the kids along to spring training? Arizona is a fantastic destination for families. There's tons of stuff for kids to do and see, like wildlife parks, science museums, aquariums, and dude ranches. Plan your spring training getaway at visitarizona.com slash springtraining. From San Francisco, California, with your host, Ben Kaspik, this is Locked On Giants Baseball. Welcome back to Locked On Giants Baseball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Kaspik, and I'm thrilled to be with you again today. On this show, we provide daily episodes Monday through Friday, approximately 15 minutes in length, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also insightful and easily digestible, easy for everyone to understand. Coming up on today's show, I want to talk about something that's actually a really big deal even though when we get into it, it might seem like not that big of a deal. It actually really is. And that is that the Giants are taking it upon themselves to now be one of just two teams that is voluntarily increasing the pay for minor leaguers. So we're going to go into the details about that. And then I also want to briefly touch upon the 2020 MLB offseason spending by team because the Giants were accused in a piece that appeared in The Athletic not long ago, just a couple weeks ago, of being overly thrifty and that ownership had put a budgetary restriction on Farhan Zaidi and that the offseason was somehow proof of that. So we actually are going to compare the Giants' spending to other teams in baseball, and you know it's it's going to be hard to back up that argument that they are operating under heavy restrictions on spending from ownership. But first, getting to the story about minor league pay. This has it's been a long-standing issue. This is not a new issue, yet finally it is gaining some traction. There have been some lawsuits. And I mean, if you just look at what minor leaguers are earning, it, it completely makes sense. And then there's that there's the issue of uh, MLB and the uh, Save America's Pastime Act. And the idea was basically to prevent minor leaguers from earning even minimum wage. MLB arguing that the minor leagues is like an apprenticeship and that they shouldn't even be eligible for minimum wage. So the whole thing is kind of ugly and problematic. And definitely, I mean, we've talked about it several times, just kind of offhand. It's something that ought to be addressed because the minor leagues, and, and it's crazy when you compare it to what the major leaguers get and their minimum salary being well over $500,000 and, you know, luxury accommodations and travel so it's just this huge gap between what the major leaguers get and what the minor leaguers get. And I don't think it, I mean, I just think you got to pay these minor leaguers a, a living wage and treat them with some 
respect and dignity. It's in the team's best interest to take care of these guys, yet that has not been the case for as long as the minor leagues have existed. So anyway, the Giants have followed suit with the Toronto Blue Jays and are now going to be the second team to voluntarily increase the pay for their minor leaguers. So we're going to go into the details about what that will look like. And overall, it's expected to cost the Giants more than 500000 per year to do this. And, you know, the funny thing is, like, we can kind of scoff at that number. It's the minimum salary for just one major league player. So to increase pay across the board in your minor league system doesn't even really cost a team that much. But this is, and we'll talk about this later, another example of how that article that came out basically accusing the Giants of lying about their finances and and that Farhan Saidi is somehow being limited financially by ownership and that they've basically misled us every time they've said that's not the case. Here is yet another example. Why would they be volunteering more money to their minor leaguers if they were like super tight with their spending right now? Like in that article, they accuse the Giants of, of hiring Kapler in part or maybe even exclusively because he would cost less than other more qualified, quote unquote, candidates. We're talking about a few hundred thousand dollars savings, and that was the, seriously the accusation made in the article. So here they are just volunteering $500,000 extra just to pay their minor leaguers more. So of course... They weren't looking to scrimp and save on a manager. That's one of the craziest things I've read all offseason. So anyway, getting into the specifics, the Giants are going to increase the pay for AAA players from $502 a week to $750 a week. And in addition, they're going to receive a $500 monthly allowance. So going up from around $2,000 a month to more like $3,500 a month, including the $500 monthly allowance. Salaries for AA players will rise from $350 a week to $600 a week, nearly doubled, and will include a $500 monthly housing stipend as well. Players at Class A affiliates will earn $500 a week, up from $290 a week, and will be provided with free housing. So here are some quotes from important people. Farhan Zaidi had to say, it was a collective organizational decision. There was a lot of momentum. There was a lot of support from ownership from the business operations side. It was really a consensus that had built. There was some momentum behind it before I came into the organization. But just from a personal standpoint, I'm excited that we were able to do it. I think it does a lot of good for the organization. I think it's the right thing to do, and I think we're kind of looking forward to having it in place. Gabe Kapler said, I've always been interested in supporting minor league players more effectively. I can tell you as a player myself, you notice that conditions can always be improved. We all kind of tell stories about our first paychecks in the minor leagues, and we always wish they were more. More from Farhan Zaidi here. Quote, I don't know that the adjustment that we made for 2020 is an endpoint. I think we'll continue to evaluate it. We're going to be looking to get feedback from players on how it's helping and what it's allowing them to do. It's a quality of life issue. It's a convenience issue. It's a time issue. Just getting a better sense of all that is something we'll continue to evaluate. So I think it's it's a great start. I mean, these are, like I was saying, it doesn't necessarily amount to all that much. You're talking about maybe for the team for the entire year, which is nothing to these guys, to these big organizations. 
But at the same time, I think it does make a big difference for those actual players who who are going to be receiving these increases. Like to go from 350 a week to 600, that's a substantial difference. And to go from 290 to 500, that's a substantial difference. So good for them. I don't think it's enough. I'd like to see it continue to increase to be a little more fair and to be something that they can really thrive off of instead of just scraping by. I'd like to see the minor leaguers be able to thrive a little bit more uh, with the pay. I don't think they need to be made ultra rich necessarily because there are so many minor leaguers. A lot of them have almost no chance of ever making it to the majors. So teams aren't going to want to just be handing out huge sums of money to these guys necessarily. But as we can see, this is only costing the Giants half a million for an entire year. And they can afford it. Every team can afford it. So it's great to see and kudos to them. Today on the Fantasy Minute, brought to you by League Commish, we're talking about Brandon Belt. Last season was a disappointing year from a fantasy perspective and from a real-life perspective for Brandon Belt on the Giants. What's interesting about Belt, though, is that before the last couple of seasons, so he actually struggled also in 2018, but before that, he was quietly a very strong offensive player year in and year out, and he also handled left-handed pitching well. But in the last couple of years, he started to struggle against lefties, and overall, even against righties, the numbers have become a little more suppressed. But what's especially interesting about Belt is in some leagues, he's going to be outfield eligible because he has spent some time in the outfield, including last season, making some starts there. So especially where he's outfield eligible, I think Brandon Belt is a nice little buy-low candidate in deeper fantasy leagues. He's finally going to be given a legitimate platoon partner, it looks like, in Wilmer Flores. So expect Belt to rest a little bit more, which should do wonders potentially for his health and help him not be overexposed against left-handed pitching. So if you combine that with the fact that the dimensions at Oracle Park, including to right center where he hits a lot of balls that end up getting caught, are changing slightly to the point where some of those balls will be converted to extra base hits and potentially homers. I just think that it's a it's a pretty good time to buy low on Brandon Belt. And that's your Fantasy Minute brought to you by League Commish for Wednesday, February 19th. What are you doing for the game? A universal question. Whether the casual follower, the tweets everything, the beginner, the diehard, the stat nerd, the smack talker, the appetizer guy, the couldn't care less or the makes everything into a competition person, we all have our place in the sports world. The same personalities apply to fantasy sports and League Commission exists to ensure your fantasy sports experience is the best one for you. We match managers to leagues as we lay the foundation for your new league. It's as easy as sign up with your preferences, get matched, and approve of that match before any commitment on your end. Sign up with League Commish by February 29th and receive 15% off by entering in the code LOCKEDON in the referred by section of the sign up form. The first 25 people to sign up using our code receive their first match free. What are you doing for the game? Find your next fantasy sports league at leaguecommish.com. All right, here in the second half of the show, I do want to take a look at the Giants spending this offseason and compare it to other teams around the league because the Giants actually spent the 10th most money of any team in baseball this offseason between December 4th and February 29th. 
coming in at around $30 million. So not only did the Giants spend significantly, I mean, top 33% of the league, but they also managed to cut the sixth most payroll from last year to this year. So they're continuing to invest, but they also managed to, to pare down the payroll, which gives them the opportunity to spend in future seasons. So just because their payroll went down doesn't mean they didn't spend. That's kind of the gist of what I'm trying to say here. Like the fact that they spent $13 million buying a prospect tells me that there's absolutely no mandate from ownership about not spending. Like nobody does that unless you're so committed to winning that you're willing, like, because there's no immediate reward to that. They can't market Will Wilson and say, look what we did this offseason. We got Will Wilson, who's now our sixth best prospect. No, the only benefit of that is that you're trying to speed up your rebuilding process and infuse young, controllable talent into your system as quickly as possible. That is a trade that doesn't get a lot of attention, yet they were willing to spend $13 million on it. And another, I'll point out again, some people have incorrectly evaluated that trade, acting like it's a gamble and a risk, and that the slot value of the pick where Wilson was selected is somehow the actual value of that pick, but that's not the case at all. That pick is worth probably in the neighborhood of 20 to $30 million, and the Giants only spent like $13 million approximately. We can, we can bicker about whether the signing bonus should count or not. I believe it does. So the Giants probably you know, got a 10 to $20 million bargain there with that deal. So they're spending money, but they're spending it in a savvy way, in creative ways and in ways that doesn't tie them down long-term, harm them down the road. So that means no risky long-term commitments to aging veterans. Like, I mean, let's circle back on Madison Bumgarner. This is a a big story this offseason is the Giants not re-signing Bumgarner. But, you know, it got me thinking the other day, there was an article I wrote about Matt Cain in Beyond the Box Score, uh, the year that he ultimately ended up retiring. I wrote it in like August before he had announced that he would be retiring at the end of the season. And if you read that article, which I reread it, and basically what I say in the article is that Matt Cain signed this huge extension in 2011 or 12, and he was good in the first year, but then he's been bad for five consecutive seasons. And it was like a $126 million contract. And I write about the numbers and what he was before he signed the contract and what he was after. And it just turned into a total disaster for the Giants. And I've seen fans write things like, Farhan Zaidi not bringing back Bumgarner lost me as a fan. Like, it's a deal breaker. I just can't tolerate that and I'm not a fan anymore. Well, these are the same people who would have said the same thing had the Giants not brought back Matt Cain. Okay, and there's just zero doubt that they would have been better off not signing him to a six-year, $127 million contract because he was bad for five of those six years. I mean, yes, 2012, he was good and helped them win that World Series. So you could make a case that it was worth it just based on that one year alone. But at the same time, I mean, the Giants aren't going to win the World Series in 2020, most likely. And to me, that Bumgarner contract has a ton of risk in it. And I think the Diamondbacks may end up regretting that deal in years three through five, potentially. Even as early as this season, I just am not convinced that the home run issues he started to kind of show vulnerability with home runs 
I'm not sure how well that's going to translate to the desert and to that ballpark. And if we look at someone like Kevin Gosman, to whom the Giants gave a one-year, $9 million deal, very realistic possibility that he could pitch better than Madison Bumgarner in 2020. And it just comes without all the risk and with a lower average annual value. And so I get it. He's like, he's a, he's a hero in San Francisco, Bumgarner. But at the same time, people really wanted, you know, Lincecum to get an extension and Kane to get an extension. And, you know, there was the Zito contract, just long-term deals for pitchers, especially, you know, someone like Bumgarner, who's not as good as people kind of paint him out to be. If you look at what the numbers are. I mean, there's a reason he got less than Jeff Samarja got, like the same amount of years and less money than Jeff Samarja got multiple years ago. So there's kind of a gap between perception and reality as it relates to Bumgarner. But anyway, the point is they did spend. They spent on Gosman, they spent on Smiley, Flores, Pence, Tyler Anderson, several minor league deals, and, and these guys could end up making the team and, you know, costing additional money. They spread it around, but but overall, it, it ranks as the 10th most spending of any team in baseball this offseason. Anyway, that is all the time we have for today. Remember to get this show every weekday. You need to hit that subscribe button if you haven't done so already. Once again, my name is Ben Kaspik. You can follow me on Twitter at Ben Kaspik. If you like this show, please consider rating it, leaving a review, and telling your friends and family to check us out. I cannot wait to be with you again tomorrow. And until then, we'll see you next time. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.